And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It's the Big Hulk. Man, Sleep, I am uh, I am excited. I'm pumped. I am I have calmed down since the Baylor game. What a roller coaster. I'm excited, guys. We have an amazing podcast. We have insights. I'm ready to go sleep. Holy shit, man. If there's one thing Sleep Dog don't like, it's blood. If there's a second thing Sleep Dog don't like, it's roller coasters. And they're right up there, man, neck and neck. And roller coasters is an understatement. Dude, I was in public, which I very rarely do for important Carolina games. It was not a good, um, you know, I was in a dark place there about the last 10 minutes of that game. Uh, we're at a bar in Charlotte. It's a Carolina bar. So everybody there except one dude rooting for Baylor. And then that one dude, guess where he went to school? NC State. So he was just an ass bag the whole time. Is like his everything he ever wanted to accomplish in life um, was, was happening right there before his eyes. We went to overtime. I knew we were done. And then, bam, we fucking just rocked him, dude. So uh, what a win by the heels. A lot to talk about there. We're going to talk about the refs, how bad they suck. We're going to talk about how they bailed Duke out, I think. Uh, we might even get in a little bit about the NFL because the offseason is bonkers right now. People going everywhere. Who do, who knows what anybody's going to look like? You're going to turn on the first game of the NFL next year and be like, I had no idea this month I was playing for these guys. F1, Zion, there's all kinds of stuff going on, but obviously the heel's probably about to capitalize But everything we got going on. We're a day late because of scheduling conflicts, getting this out to you. But good news is we'll preview the Sweet 16 where Big Hawk and Sleep Dog, Sleep Hawk Nation will be in attendance. So, um, yeah, let's jump right in. What would you think of the game? Um, what what about some of the, uh, you know, the implications, um, you know, Obviously, we had some. We had a big lead, lost it, um, and held on. And and what does that do for us going forward? What does that, um, you know, whether it helps, hurts, or otherwise? What do you think? Sleep. Um, we're going to jump right into it. You know, I'm a big assist turnover ratio. Uh, we had 22 assists, which is very good for this team. Very, very good. Um, but we had 21 turnovers, and I think a lot of those turnovers came late in the game. We also went into extra innings. We went to overtime, and, and so we played a little bit longer and probably had some more turnovers uh, because of that as well. But I was extremely excited, and I'm really, really proud of this team. What I'm proud about is the ability to go through a bunch of adversity – and then get a W. Um, we'll just start right away. I thought Brady Manick was playing unbelievable. And I've said it all along. I think the chemistry with him and Armando Baycott has been unbelievable. I think ever since Garcia has been away from the team that Brady has really got his confidence. And it's come through playing time and also just staying true to him. I think he's going to shoot whether he misses or makes it. He's going to shoot, and that's what shooters do. He had 26 points in 28 minutes, five rebounds and two assists, where Baycott had 15 points and 16 rebounds. Uh, that's been that's become more of a signature game for Armando. Um, you see him anywhere from 15 to maybe 25 points and anywhere from 10 to 15 boards, and you know he is playing unbelievable. 
But we got to give credit where credit's R.J. Davis was the X factor. Oh, yeah. And before the season, I had talked about, I think this guy could be an explosive scorer. He went off for 30 points, and I thought he was amazing. Uh, Six assists, which is huge for us. I mean, um, he's really shown the ability to pass the ball. And what I really like about what we're doing right now is we're playing the best basketball we played all year. And it's the best time to play your best basketball. Uh, We've talked about it. You don't want to peak in November, December, January. You want to peak in March. And this team has overcome, you know, pretty much what a lot of people thought they couldn't accomplish. The Sweet 16 wasn't even in the cards. Now we're talking about, hey, this team is, this team is rolling. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sleep, I like where we're at. What do you think about it? Hard not to, man. The biggest key stat I see there, you mentioned the t- assists and turnovers. We had 21 turnovers, still won the game. A lot of those turnovers were down the stretch, and we'll talk about exactly kind of uh, what I think. Some of those were uh, you, you can't you can't avoid the blame on a lot of what happened in that, that sort of uh, almost meltdown, but there's a lot of things you can point to that got the ball rolling. The key stat, I see in the box score is 45 minutes by RJ Davis. He did not come out of the game. I mean, in, in the whole damn time, he is just like making impactful plays, you know, six assists, five rebounds, you know, and, and just playing um, big shot after big shot. Um, just every time you felt like, you know, these guys were closing in or, 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 you know, cause, cause there was a while there early before we just really blew it open that, you know, I think if you're a Carolina fan and you sort of live in that 10 to 12 point lead, uh, that shit ain't comfortable in March, man. That can go away in two minutes, right? And so, you know, we kept kind of going back and forth between 10 and 15. You never felt like we were, you know, we we're just this close to really like putting the game away. And then RJ would hit another shot. You know, he's hitting mid range, he's hitting threes. I mean, he's just hitting everything, it seemed like. And, um, and was really, like you said, the X factor. You know, Caleb Love only had five points and fouled out with about five minutes to go, had six turnovers, not his best game. But if you ask before the game starts, are we going to beat Baylor if Caleb Love only plays 32 minutes, fouls out, has six, has more turnovers than he has points? Are we going to be in this game? You're going to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't just in this game. We were, we were, this game was put away. Uh, yep. And then, of course, you get this. Uh, Bay, uh, one other thing before we get in the whole manic thing is uh, I thought Baycott. It was very clear that things started to snowball after after the the manic thing. And you got to remember, you're talking about essentially children here, right? As, as when you get to be our age, these guys are very young. Uh, I don't mean to offend them by calling them children; they're obviously not. But you know, this is unprecedented level of pressure for these. They've never felt it before, mm-hmm. right? And and people react differently, especially if it's your first time, right? Manic gets this just god awful, you know, bullshit call kick him out of the game and everybody's kind of standing around because not only is he gone and we're already short, you know, you got, uh, Caleb is on the brink with four fouls. And at the time, um, I think Baycott had three and everybody's kind of looking around like, Hey man, like, I don't know if we're going to survive 10 minutes down potentially three of our best guys. Well then (laughs) Baycott is really struggling at the line. And it really seemed watching on TV that, you know, the situation was kind of getting to him. And I saw a tweet this morning that literally I thought um, he handled it. So I can't log into Twitter. I logged into Twitter. Saw it. But it basically said, sorry, guys, they all felt good. 
<laughs> right after the game. And I thought that was hilarious. And it was a, a, an apt response. I mean, you know, he, he, he was making us nervous, but you know, like you said, we held on and, and got the job done. And like I said, I thought we were done when you, when you lose a 25 point lead, 10 minutes, go to overtime, you down, you're down manic, you're down Caleb. Baycott's got four fouls. He can't, you know, he knows he's, he's either got to let usher people to the basket or he's going to be gone too. Um, it was dicey and we held on. And so in a weird way, I don't know, man, that's just a test that I don't think you can, um, put a value on. So I hope that, that we don't have that emotional letdown. The kind of cool thing is you got a whole week has passed. It's not like you got to go back out there two days later yeah, and try to keep that high. But man, that call was just, Sleep, I'll jump, I'll jump right into it. You're the flagrant two on Brady Manick. And I put it up on Instagram was an absolute joke. And it's, it's comical how bad these refs have gotten. And the one constant I've been saying on this podcast, I've said this before the season, is how long is the NCAA going to allow the tournament to be overshadowed by referees making bad calls constantly? We talk about we could go back to when Virginia won the national championship. I mean, there was a double dribble, a walk, a guy stepped out of bounds and hits a shot, and they win the game. Um, and you're like, uh, everyone the next day is talking about, was it a walk? Did he step out? Was it, I mean, was it a foul call? And we've seen this. There's been so many bad calls, not just like bad calls, just throughout bad calls and monumental momentum changing parts of the game. And the whole idea that refs can't lose you a game when coaches preach one possession means the game. Uh, you know, games can be decided by a point. And you see this, how close these games are during this tournament, especially. Uh, it's ludicrous to think that a bad officiated game can't lose a team an important game. And what I really don't like about this is the game before against Marquette. You look at uh, Caleb Love getting a loose ball. The ref blows a whistle. He was put into a headlock. I mean, a headlock, you talk about almost a full Nelson right there. And then the refs go to the monitor and they look at it and they come back and they concluded that's a flagrant one. I don't know, like you go back and you look at that play. How is that a flagrant one? But Brady, Mannix, when you're taught as a big man, box out, elbows high. But when somebody t touches or pushes you in your back, then all of a sudden natural motion, your elbows go back. Now, I'm not saying it shouldn't have been a flagrant one, if a flagrant one. Um, the game has gotten very soft, in my opinion, and it could have been a flagrant one or it could have just been a hard foul or the refs could have called it a constant, you know, could have been better officiated from the start instead of leading up to all this BS down the end. And it was, um, as a Carolina fan, you know, obviously – I'm sitting here and I'm I'm I was pissed off sleep. I was shaking. I was really upset because I felt like Brady Manick was, you know, having one of the best games on the biggest stage and it was taken away from him yeah. because of the bad call. And I felt bad for that. When you take away Caleb impact player, mm -hmm. Brady impact player, those two guys and we still won, but 
you know, I, that game was taken away from Brady. And Absolutely. And the box, and, and also you got Baycott, who's teetering on the fence, too. I mean, yeah. he's got a, you're taking away his ability to play like himself down the stretch with two guys on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you look at some of the calls. Now, they got 13 of 14 fouls down the stretch, went Baylor's way. Now, and you look at throughout the whole game, you take the total game, the, the fouls, I think Baylor had 26, we had like 27 or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. But my point is, Sleep, if you were to watch that game, you know, being like somebody unbiased, you would think Carolina got a bad whistle. And here's my point. They did. Mm-hmm. But why did the refs try to call the fouls even? Because on paper, it looks like they didn't, you know, it looks like it was a, a fairly officiated game. Now, my thought process is if a team fouls more and the other team doesn't, that's not a big deal. That's right. the way the game is ref. Now, the way the game should be ref is a constant. Rules are rules. Mm-hmm. And it's the officials' job to enforce those rules regardless, regardless of the time or score of the game. They should ref the game the same way the whole time. Absolutely. And if a team decides to foul more than another team, then that's the way the game is being played. You don't have to make up all these like little touch fouls down the stretch to even up the fouls. And that's my problem. I know what they're doing. I mean, I've seen it for long enough. And you know basketball and you watch enough college games. Um, that's what it is to me, Sleep. Well, fouls are also an indication of who's being more aggressive, right? Like we're kicking yeah. their ass. I mean, we are steamrolling these guys. We're getting to the bucket. We're moving the ball. We're playing like, you know, at a peak level. And so when you're doing that and the other team is always essentially a step slower than you are, you're going to get to the line more than they are. Three, four weeks ago, we were bemoaning and belly aching about state fans complaining about the refs, right? I'm, I hate people that complain about the refs. Like, but when there's like, that's people that I feel like complain about the refs, where there's a lot of other shit. We blew the doors off NC state and they had, there was no excuse for it. They just sucked. Right. Mm-hmm. But like when you're, when you're playing like we are, and then th- there were other, t- you know, the thing about the flagrant two is, is I'm reading it here on fucking Wikipedia. I don't know if it's verbatim out of the damn rule book, but it says like a flagrant two is diff- uh, uh, foul involves unsportsmanlike conduct that is extreme in nature including, quote, when a player swings an elbow excessively and makes contact above the shoulders. Clearly, that's what they're pointing to and saying it was excessive and it was above the shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. It's a gray area, whether you like it or not, but this bullshit argument because the thing that I don't get is it wasn't unsportsmanlike. And if you think that's unsportsmanlike, the dude that that, that was on the receiving end, was playing like a shit bag the whole game. I mean, dude, this guy's doing cheap shit, throwing elbows. Like, uh, you know, Mondo is is he like did that thing where he closed his legs and ha- I mean, dude, that could he, Mondo could have easily rolled an ankle or something like that. You know, I mean, dude was playing dirty the whole game, and it's yeah. one of those things where like you let the villain win, and that probably just was what made it even more sour. But here's another big call that no one is talking about. That I don't know. There were several, and I don't remember all of them. I probably should have gone back and watched the game again. There were a lot of like, dude, what the fucks? And then one was when that same player like basically touched the ball and they granted them a timeout. There was no possession. I was in the bar. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but no, they didn't have possession. They grant Baylor a timeout. Mm -hmm. Fast forward two or three minutes later, another key point in the game 
We got, uh, I think Caleb Love is literally laying on the ball with his arms wrapped around it. We got every player on the floor signaling for timeout. They blow a jump ball, and the possession arrow goes to Baylor. It was very clear. Like I looked at, um, at, at Mary at one point in the game, and I was like, I hate to say this, but this feels like a fucking fix. Yeah. I mean, there was some of that stuff that you just, there was no justification for some now. What else was happening was we couldn't inbound the fucking ball. <laughs> I mean, like there was a lot of that going on. So I don't want to say that like the refs blew a 25 point lead. Yeah. I think what started happening is, you know, they got down there, you know, their best player on that day at that time was Brady. I mean, RJ, notwithstanding, he was excellent too. So <laughs> pick one. They were great. Um, you got, you got Caleb is now out. You got Mondo that's teetering and you got now what you have is, is three or four guys that don't get a lot of minutes getting minutes in the biggest game they've ever even imagined um, in their whole career. And you've got this added pressure of like, Hey, I got to walk on eggshells because I'm getting touch fouls calling me and, and they they're, they're fouling them into the bonus. You know, now all of a sudden Baylor's getting to the line. So the implications and, and it goes beyond, I'm going on my rant. I'm going to stop here in a second, but it goes way, way beyond. If anybody listen to this, any Carolina fan thinks we're just bitching. Okay, fine. Say whatever you want. But like it goes beyond the Carolina game. Oh yeah, this is it's been in the news. Like it's this is awful calls all around. And and to your point, um, you know th- th- these refs like trying to dictate the game is is inexcusable, man. Like these guys, mm-hmm. people got to have consequences. If I go to do work and I do a bad job, a blatantly bad job, I get fired. Yes. Um, these guys, the thing that the reason it matters, and and then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up. But the reason it matters is because these kids have have worked there. And if it, if the shoe were on the other foot, granted, I wouldn't be as adamant about it, but I'd be like, damn, you know, we got that was a bad call. Right. Mm-hmm. Or at least I hope I would. But these kids have been working their entire lives trying to get here. And like yeah. you can't just take it from them because you feel like, you know, things got to go a certain way that you owe it to them. It, it's not about us. I mean, I'll sit here and bitch about the referees if I want to, whatever, who, who, who am I? And what differences make it's about these kids and how hard they work and all the shit that people don't see. And now they've, they've earned, dude, they've earned this 25 point lead in the second mm-hmm. half. And um, it's, it's borderline criminal for you to take it away from them. And then I read in the athletic, the, whoever the hell the guy is that's in charge of the NCAA referees said, well, we've got 95 point, 90.5% of them right. Dude, fuck off. If I do my job 90% of the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, I'm getting fired, man. It's just the arrogance with which they cast it aside and there's no accountability. It's just, I mean, right in step with the NCAA. Anyway. Yeah, so Sleep, I couldn't agree with you more. And what I want to touch on what you said is, you know, you go, we'll, we'll, we'll go detailed real quick, is you talk about that jump ball that they called. There was no possession. When you're on the ground, there's a loose ball and there's a tie-up, you cannot call a timeout. And they got that one. And then the other jump ball that they called, the guy was standing out of bounds late. That's right, game. yeah. And they showed that replay. And in my mind, I'm like, how do you miss – the guy is right there. How do you miss that? Now, Sleep, we go back to these refs and – I don't really have a solution, but I know the solution isn't to defend them. The reason I say that is because we watch these games and we see how bad they are. And you're going to get on there and defend them. You're going to start losing your credibility at some point um, because the refs need to be held accountable. There's this, the NBA refs are very good. Mm -hmm. And if they miss a call, you see a statement the next day, 
that night, that morning, and then you see, yeah, this ref won't be ref in this game. You see consequences, yep. and they're the best refs, and they learn from that, and they teach them what's going on. As the game evolves, um, you see these refs also evolve. Um, players get new moves. You see the hardened step back has been mm-hmm. controversy. And now in the NBA, you see a guy make a ball fake, and then no longer can he just – make an unnatural shooting shot and just dodge into somebody and get a foul. So you see the refs evolving at the NBA level and the college game. It just seems like they're not evolving or they're not as good as what we need them, need them to be. And I don't have a fix. I don't know if it's to make it a full-time job and provide them with more uh, programs and God knows they can afford it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you know, sleep, that's a great point. I'm not sure if it is to pay more and then do more like, you know, off season work, watch the videos and learn the game and then go around, talk to the head coaches. Um, but the, the idea that the refs are untouchable from the media and they can't be held accountable, th- that should not be the case. They need to be held accountable so they can grow and evolve. And also as a fan, if this, if they were to put a statement out and just say, hey, we missed some calls, it should have been this and should have been that. You don't have to go beyond that, okay? Because mm-hmm. as humans, we yeah, all mistakes. We're not saying we want a perfect product out there. We just want accountability, and then it stops there sleep, and then I think yep. we move on. 100%. That, that's my problem is you never see that. You never see the accountability uh, with some of these calls on the way the games are being ref. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we can we can move on with this tournament and then we not have to see this debacle and constantly talk about it. But Yeah, and now you wonder where well, you're going to get into, you know, you're going to get, they hear it, right? And you wonder you're going to get into 16, 8, 4 in the championship game and they're going to swallow the whistle when they ought to because they're worried about, you know, the blowback. Um, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, dude, these refs ain't full-time guys, you know, they're teaching fucking science or something on Thursday afternoon, you know, about atoms and neurons and shit like this. And next thing you know, they're out here, you know, trying to ref a, a, a multi-billion dollar industries product, right? Like, um, so, so on one hand, you got to like level with this and be human about it. Right. I mean, it's referees and a basketball game. That's what it looks like on the surface, but this is big business. There's people whose, you know, whole lives have been. Uh, you know, work uh, uh, dedicated to getting to this point. And like, you got to do it right. And, and if you get it wrong, fine. Admit you got it wrong. Um, and, and we'll be fine with that. And even if you do that, though, you can't get it wrong over and over and over again. That with with a, with a, what int- appears in times to be either intent to get it wrong or intent to be seen. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things they tell us in journalism school is like, Report the news. Don't make the news, yeah. right? Ref the game, dude. Don't be part of it. Don't be the storyline. That's all you have to do is go out there. And if there's a close play, that's a close call. Guy steps out of bounds or whatever, like on the on the jump ball. Like, you don't owe us a lot, but but you owe, and I say us, you owe an explanation, you know, to your point uh, of being accountable for, for what's going on. So, you know, hopefully we just, this becomes a, a non-factor. I feel bad for Cause there were games where the outcome we, I'd be decidedly more pissed off if we didn't end up losing that game, but there were, there were other games that I do feel like the outcome was determined by the refs. And that's unfortunate because, yeah. um, you know, whether the team was, was, Deserve you know the deserve to win was a one seed or a sixteen seed. I mean everybody deserves like fair play, right? And I think that's what uh, we're clamoring about here. And the one last thing I'll say that I forgot about was with the Baycott thing. 
you know, the, I think it was the fourth foul. He's very clearly a charge. And I was standing, I was like, damn, that's, I thought, I thought it was his fifth foul. And I thought he was done. And I was like, well, that shit was a foul. There's no, you know, mm-hmm. and, and cause they'll even ref the game different when they know a guy like that has got four and everybody else is fouled out. And they man, yeah. yeah, that was a fucking charge. And it was at a key point. The problem I had is the two prior charges they called. I mean, the guy like leans into him and this other yeah. 250 pound dude acts like, you know, he looked like Bugs Bunny when the dude drops the damn uh, 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 anvil out. He's just blown backwards as if somebody just plowed through him. And it's like, dude, nobody touched you, man. So the flops and all this bullshit. But anyway, I was I I was largely I got really frustrated with Baylor toward the end, especially that whoever that dude was with the blonde hair. Um, he was an asshole. Um, it, so it took me a while. I was shaking. I was ready to uh, rip the TV. I was at a friend's house. I was ready to rip the TV off the off the wall. I was fired up, and I just couldn't believe what I was witnessing. Roller coaster game, to say the least. And you talked about charges, blah blah. Charges is a difficult call, but hey, listen. One thing will never happen is we'll never stop complaining about the refs. I don't care how good they are, or you know, the refs are continue to make mistakes. We just don't want to see uh, multiple state mistakes in a row. Uh, you know, every single year, but. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Sleep. This is going to be interesting. Survive in advance, baby. That's what we did. Uh, it was a hell of a f- good feeling for the rest of the day uh, and into this week. And we're getting ready to uh, head to Philly, take on uh, UCLA next. I don't know shit about UCLA um, within the last, I don't know, decade. Um, so, you know, four seed, uh, slightly favored over us. We've probably got a 940 tip. Um, what do you think about our chances there? Or, you know, just... In general, how you feeling about that? Well, sleep. First of all, when I saw nine forty, I said, "Holy shit!" There's a chance this game could go into Saturday. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not too excited about nine forty. And you're like <laughs> me. Uh, once you get up there, nine forty, Jesus. A.M. I'm all in, but uh, yeah, P.M. Dude, well, you know how uh, these tournament games go? They're like nine forty, bro. This game will start at three a.m. By the time the first game's done, first game's guaranteed to go in overtime yeah, because so- we're going. And nine nine forty is the time where you all right, I'm gonna watch this one in bed and you're gonna get three pillows, you're gonna put your your back on the on the frame and just sit there and you'll be asleep by you know ten minutes. By the time they start telling us the NCAA <laughs> athletes or students first commercial um, break. No, but hey, listen, UCLA went to the final four last year. This team has been up and down. They're well coached, uh Cronin. But I will say one thing is they have uh, I think they had a player of the year candidate. Uh, I can't think of his name. Pre-season. Juzang. Juz- I can't say Juzang. And Juzang, don't get like, if anybody hears me, I can't pronounce my name. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this team, the real, the real challenge to me in this time is we've got to be the best us and we've got to understand what UCLA does and how they want to play. Now they have a big who has a lot of size um, has some good height, probably doesn't have the best feet, but who's going to be, that's going to be a good matchup between him and Armando. And I would like to see, I'm not sure if Leaky will, you know, guard Jajang, uh, but that's going to be an interesting matchup if he does. And I really like the direction that Leaky has gone and he's really embraced. All right, who's their best player? I'm guarding him. I really like that aspect, but what we got to do sleep is we got to keep sharing the ball. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we've done during this tournament that I love, is we're no longer seeing, you know, what we see is like, oh, man, like just some guy come down and just hemorrhage a bad shot. 
We're not seeing much of that anymore. The chemistry has gotten a lot better. You're seeing Brady. I think the, you know, Brady coming into that lineup is starting, like we're starting to click. You know, you start to see the team move like on a string and they're figuring each other out. We knew this would be a process because this is a brand new team. And a lot of guys didn't get the playing time like RJ last year. And so, I mean, he's, he's, he's basically a freshman. I mean, so, you know, sleep. I think what we got to do is we got to show up. Okay, we got to beat UCLA. But how we beat UCLA is we got to continue to share the ball. You know, I've said it all year. Turnovers are a big factor. We can't have any careless or lackadaisical turnovers. We love lackadaisical on Sleep Hawk Worldwide. What we got to do is we got to continue to stay hungry. I think if we get hungry, we can't get complacent. We can't get fat and happy. We haven't accomplished anything yet. Sweet 16, that's nice. But that's not North Carolina basketball. We want to keep striving to go and go. And you got to beat UCLA. You got to show up and play your best basketball. They're capable of beating us too. Yeah, they're a great team, a great defensive team. Uh, top forty in the NCAA. I'm seeing here in scoring defense, only allowing sixty four a game. Um, you know, and that top forty is skewed a lot by teams like Campbell, uh, <laughs> ranks eighteen. Like, got to figure who the hell are they playing now? Granted, UCLA doesn't play in a powerhouse, right? But Great, uh, great team, uh, you know, great defensive team. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be a test. I think that one of the big, um, you know, the big concerns I guess I have is whether or not there's a come down from, you know, this big, you know, emotional roller coaster of a win. I think you always have to worry about that. Hopefully, you know, it's been a week, we're a week, almost a week removed from it. Um, we're in a whole new place. Or a whole new time. Um, you know, we've obviously spent plenty of time game planning for this, and um, you know, getting ready for for some of the, I guess, um, you know, very specific preparation for the things that we can expect from UCLA. Um, you know, going back here, their last loss was looks like probably in the conference tournament to Arizona, uh, trying to go in and see whether or not um, they had played. So they beat Arizona back in January. Um, Arizona's good guys. Arizona's They're- really good. They lost by 10 to Arizona in February. Um they this is back toward November. Yeah, so they're 2 and 1 against Arizona. The last game wasn't really close. They beat a good SC team twice. Uh once to looks like to end the season and then in the um uh, in the conference tournament. You know, they haven't played a ton of ranked teams. They lost a very close one to to SC earlier. That's always a big rivalry game for them. Um, lost big to Gonzaga earlier in the season, lost in overtime to Villanova at the beginning of the year. So they've, they haven't, I guess your argument would be that they haven't played, you know, a ton of top tier teams, uh, having played a total of four ranked teams, two of whom were in their conference, the other two being Villanova and Gonzaga back in November. Right. So, all right. What tests have they, uh, had? All right. Arizona. And I think really what I was saying you know, we've had time to prepare specifically for UCLA. Two things. One thing I'm really, I wouldn't say concerned about, but you got to think about is, you know, do we do we come down? Do we have the, the 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 hangover from that emotional win? I think one of the fortunate things is enough time has passed where that's out the door. We've spent the last week studying for the specific things that we can expect from UCLA, who appears to be, you know, a, a solid defensive team. I mean, coming to seven steals a game, that's, that's a lot of steals. So, um, you know, we'll see. I think um, you think you got to expect Love to have a better game. You got to expect Manic to kind of come out on fire. You know what you're going to get from Baycott, but you also know what they're going to do. 
to defend him, right? Um, and the big key here, I think, that that we haven't talked about at all is those guys that came off the bench and gave big minutes, man. And, like, you know, you can look at McCoy. He looked shaky as shit some, right? You look at Puff. He looked like he was all over the place. Don Trez had an awesome game. I've all, I always wondered why he wasn't, you know, higher up the pecking order and getting some getting some burns. So I was excited to see him out of Kinston, you know, have a good game. But the thing of it is, is, like, it's not always about some dude coming off the bench and scoring 10 or 12 points and making a big impact on the stat sheet. It's like, can you get these guys a breather? Or if a guy's in foul trouble, can you sustain a lead over a long period of time with, you know, one of your, your reserves on the floor? Because, you know, we all know that we're, we're, we're uh, you know, shallow, right? Um, yeah. So if those guys can come in and, 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 and get from the under 12 to the under eight in the second half, I mean, that's a big contribution whether you score or not as long as the other team isn't scoring so uh we proved that we could do that and we proved it in a big way because for five minutes from five minutes till the end of overtime so 10 minutes of game time mm-hmm. manic has gone love is gone and and for over half of that baycast got four fouls so i mean and then you know leaky is is, is everybody loves him but it's not like he's he's scoring so yeah you know, I, I, dude, and then, I mean, you don't want to get ahead of anything. If we were to win this one, you're going to play the winner of, uh, of Purdue and, and St. Peter's. You got to love to see, um, you know, what St. Peter's is doing. That'd be fun. And, and I think as a Tar Heel, you'd love another shot at Purdue when we're, when we're playing our best. But first things first, there's a reason we hadn't talked about that shit because we are focused on, you know, taking care of business at UCLA. Sleep, sleep. You brought up a great point. Don Trez came in and hit a big corner three. Um, and made some big-time plays. Now, um, this is a guy who's extremely athletic, strong, uh, young player who I think potentially could be an NBA player. I think he has NBA talent for sure, NBA potential. I'm not, he's not there yet, but this guy could play in the league. And I'm glad to see him have that because I think, he, I think he's really been working hard, and I think um, that was a good moment for me to see somebody who's uh, been patient and then his moment came. Uh, but I will say one thing I have liked is, you know, we've talked about it on here. Puff Johnson, uh, a blue collar player who found a positive impact on the game. He brought energy. He brought effort. OK, if he's going to run the floor, he's going to run the floor hard for that second unit. I mean, he's not going to come up there and drill you in the eye with the contested three. But what he is going to do, he's going to make winning plays, and he's got his confidence up, and now Coach Davis feels comfortable with them playing. Now you're starting to see him add little parts of the game. Now Justin came in there, and you know he had some turnovers, but he did knock down two big free throws for us. And uh, I think you know he can get his potential. But uh, I'm excited where we're at, and um, I would love another rematch with Purdue. I'd love to see that game if we were to win, I think. Uh, Jay Nivey, Caleb Love, and then you have the the Williams kid and Baycott. I think I think we're a different team now. I think Brady's uh, kind of become a hell of a player for us and much more uh, involved in, in when we originally played them early. But uh, that would be interesting if we did match up with Purdue and old Philly. And uh, me and Sleep Dog, I'm excited about Philly. I hope they allow sports gambling in uh, Pennsylvania. I hope they don't. Pennsylvania. You can go across. I think it's not far from New Jersey. I think we can go over there. And I mean, hell, there's a whole place. There used to be a bunch of casinos over there. So yeah, if uh, I go to New Jersey. If we go to New Jersey, oh my God, might never come New, back. New Jersey is 
That's a lawless place. Big Hawk don't like New Jersey. That's for sure. Yeah, I ain't ain't fan of it myself. The one thing uh, I'll say about, uh, and then we got to share our story about how we're how we're getting there, right? Um, The one thing I'll say is it was I was super impressed with how Manic responded to questions about the situation. Um, You know, he didn't blame anybody. He didn't really. you know, I, I thought he handled it in a way that was uh, professional. That was, quite frankly, a lot better than we handled it or anybody else, for that matter. So, uh, so good on him, and um, uh, it's just so fun to watch him uh, in some of the things he's saying in pressers and things like that. How much he's getting out of this experience coming to UNC um, and 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 really getting. And this team is so much fun in a way that I don't think um, most of our teams have been maybe ever i mean we're kind of like an underdog you know a month ago everybody was wondering if we're going to make the tournament now we thought that was stupid Mm -hmm. and 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 we said a long time ago when we when we got into the conference tournament that hey if we were to if this team were to make the sweet 16 we've maxed out our potential now i'm not that doesn't mean we can't go farther but i'm saying you know we have hubert davis has made the most with what he's got Right. And I mean, to, to it's re- been really fun to watch this team evolve. And dude, no one's hotter. No one is playing better than we are right now. There might be teams, plenty of teams playing as well. That's why they're here. There's 15 other ones playing as well. Right. But there's nobody playing better. And uh, it's, it's going to be really fun to see, um, you know, obviously this weekend how things shake out. So, like, like Big Hawk said, man, we're rolling to Philly. Funniest thing is, is we got this group of, of people and we don't know when the damn they tell us we're going to play on friday so we're like well damn we better get there because uh i guess we didn't really think it through that there's only two games at this point in the destination so we booked the first flight out around 5 44 a.m and then they hit us with a 9 40 tip i mean i might get there get a full night's sleep during the day and wake up and eat lunch and then still try to stay awake until this damn thing starts i'll know philadelphia better than the founding fathers by the time i get out of that fucking place but <laughs> <laughs> we uh it's gonna be a blast so if you guys are in philly look us up because here we come buddy and we're gonna oh man i can't wait dude yeah we're, we're gonna run the stairs like rocky before the game get all hyped up and uh go look i don't it know up. if i can make it all the way up the stairs in one well we don't know. have to run we can run a few sit down catch our breath and run up the rest uh but listen hey uh i'm excited about philly i like the uh cheese steaks um so we'll see. We'll see what that has to offer. And I'm really pumped about betting because betting adds a new dynamic. I'm not going to bet on the Tar Heels. I haven't had the best luck with that. And I don't want to – I'm kind of superstitious. But uh, no sleep. I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm ready to – I got the 7 a.m. flight. I saw the 545 and I was like, damn, I dude. Have to wake up at 3, no way I'm getting on the 545. I'm taking the 7 a.m. Yeah, our buddy John, Jimmy's famous seafood's going to be there. Big Hawk's going to be there. Sleep Dog's going to be there. About 10 billion Carolina fans are going to be there. St. Peter's will show out. I know we're going to meet some interesting birds out of that universe, the old peacocks. Um, UCLA travels well. Purdue doesn't have to come that far, I don't think. Indiana to Pennsylvania ain't that far, is it? A horse and carriage ass over there. So inches uh, on the map. Yeah, so, so, um, yeah, man, it's going to be – it's going to be a thing, right? So, so, so guys, tune in because 
Uh, we'll probably be, if you're not following us on Instagram, you need to be learn about championship 50 initiative. We got going on with Jimmy's famous seafood, giving a box, mailing a box to troop in all 50 States veteran and each of the 50 States as part of the championship 50 initiative. We got going on with those guys, best seafood in America. Hopefully John, if you're listening, buddy, pack some, bring some with you, buddy, send it to the hotel. Um, <laughs> we are, uh, cause we're going to need it. Come time to, if we're gonna make it 9 40 a we're gonna need something to eat beforehand because this is a four entree day yeah I mean, <laughs> you, have breakfast, you go back to sleep then you get up and you have another breakfast and then you have lunch and dinner that's that's the way i'm looking uh, at buddy the way mary goes we'll like our our flight leaves at 5 45 this is rdu 545 okay so like there's 10 people there we will meet the guy with the key that opens the door. I'm we might as well pack this shit up and I might as well head to the airport now. She'll have me there at 1 a.m. making sure we don't miss the flight. Good Lord. We'll get there uh in, in plenty of time to uh you know help them flip all the switches in the place to get us help them start the planes and all that. So uh then yeah, you're gonna land there at 7 30. I mean, we will literally be in the original capital of the United States of America before you even get on the plane. Uh, God knows what we're going to do until then. Cause hell, I don't know when we can check into the hotel. Probably not until like four in the afternoon. Yeah. So the good news is that Philly, the Northeast area, the people are so warm and welcoming. Oh man. And they just Genuine. make you that Southern comfort that we're coming up. We're just yeah. so used to that. It's going soon be like home. And, yeah. Uh, if Philly's going anything like the weather, it'll be nice, sunny, beautiful day. So we'll get some good sunshine and we'll talk to some people and wait till four. And then they may even make us like a, a cobbler or something. Yeah. If we make it to the room. game without getting a battery chucked at us, we'll be doing, we'll be ahead of it. So, right. So, uh, you know, I can't wait to really mingle with the locals. Um, and then, you know, 940, um, we will be very well hydrated by then is what I'll say. Uh, I guess they probably sell alcohol at the place. Um, one thing is, dude, I thought tickets for something like this were actually a little more reasonable than, than most events because you got four teams in a foreign universe essentially um and after the first game nobody knows whether you're going to be there the next one or not so i figured people tickets are holy shit man like they're higher than gas prices mm -hmm. so uh i will remember this game this is the last thing i do um and we might need i mean then then you have it might be a fifth night what is it taco bell you should call it a fifth meal or some Ooh, shit we might have no yeah so yeah so god only knows um uh, so guys check in on us because because um you know this is this is a war of attrition coming up friday yeah, yeah. hey give us some recommendations people hit us up man what should we do in philly me and sleep i mean we're you know philly's not you know it's not the uh there's no beach there so let us know yeah. what to do don't send us any bullshit either because we want we want only the yeah, best, we're not best man. That shit. i'm trying to eat more cheesesteak than uh yeah i don't even know where i'm going i'm, I'm trying to eat a cheesesteak i'm trying to eat a good one uh because that's i don't like philly fans i'm gonna be honest with you but hopefully we won't have to engage with them since none of their teams are worth shit so um you got anything else big hawk stay safe stay safe <laughs>